Good morning, everyone. I am so happy to be here. And kids, are you not so excited for next week? We are finally back in Connect Kids. I know I've had the privilege to talk to a lot of our leaders, and they cannot wait to be with you guys. So get excited for next week. Um, my name is Whitney Klinky. I'm one of the children's pastors here at Connect. And um, I don't know about you, but we've been back here for a couple weeks now, and I have just... It's just on a whole nother level and a different feeling to be here in this building together as a church. You just get something different when you worship together and listen to a message together. And I know for me, the past couple of weeks, my cup has just been so filled being back in this building. And I hope you guys feel the same way. And to all of you guys back home, thank you so much for the just commitment of just watching every single Sunday and supporting Connect Church. So I just wanted to get that out there. I'm just so happy to be back. But a little bit about me. Um, I feel like I am a very trustworthy person. I feel like people talk to me. They know they, they can confide in me. They can bring anything to me, and I will just listen and understand. Um, so I, I take pride in that, knowing that they can come to me and say anything, and they know they can trust whatever they're going to say is going to stay between us, Okay. But I do have to say, there has been a couple times I've maybe let the cat out of the bag in some instances, so I just want to out myself now. Okay, so a couple years back, actually like five or six years back, we lived next door to um, really good friends of ours. They became our best friends. Um, we met them as neighbors, but they weren't married at the time, but we got a text message one day and said, you guys, we got engaged. Um, let's go out. Let's have you know a drink, dinner. Let's celebrate. So of course, I'm so thrilled for them. I'm so happy for them because I love them so much. But I got a little finger happy really, really quick. And most of you guys know what this means, especially the young people. Um, I went straight to Facebook and I feel like I needed to post my excitement. So I said, yeah, you know, so-and-so got engaged. Finally, I couldn't be happier for them. So there was a couple things I didn't know at the time. One, I didn't know they hadn't told anybody yet um, besides us. I don't know why they just told us, but they hadn't told anybody yet. And the second thing I didn't realize, when I posted on Facebook, I am friends with most of their friends and most of their family. So they found out about this engagement per my Facebook post. So they had never let this down. Luckily, we are still very good good friends and they once in a while they'll be like hey remember that one time you ruined our engagement we're like I'm so sorry I was just so happy for you but that was one time where I did get a little happy and excited that I just feel like I just had to just let it all out there now my husband for instance um, you cannot tell him about a surprise party because for somehow, some way, he will always m ruin it, okay? So for some reason, we were throwing a surprise party for um, the same, this, the husband of the couple that I ruined the engagement to, and we were throwing him a 30th surprise party. And again, we were neighbors at the time, so we were gonna have a surprise cookout in our backyard. So my husband is outside, he's mowing, he's getting the lawn ready, and he sees our friend out there, the one that we're throwing the surprise party for. And my husband kept saying, so, you know, what are you doing at three o'clock today? Okay, the party was at three. And, or he'd be like, well, you don't have any plans around three, right? Or then he'd say later, okay, I just, I'm mowing, I gotta get the, re I just need to be done by three. The yard's gotta look good by three. He kept bringing up three o'clock. So the, our friend was like, are you guys throwing me a party at three o'clock today? So I feel like he ruined that surprise. And then this year, for some reason, we wanted to do another surprise little get together for his birthday. 
So my husband then tends or he gets them on text message in a group of his guys chat and said, hey, can't wait to get together for so-and-so's birthday tonight. Again, ruining another surprise party. He says he did not know this one was a surprise, but I know I told him. I know I told him. So, but other than those couple things, we are very trustworthy people. You can talk to us and confide in us, but we've had a couple instances. The reason I bring these stories up is because when words are out there, they're just out there. There's no bringing them back in. There's no erasing them. When words are out there, they're out there. I know before I have seen a example with a tube of toothpaste. I was gonna bring a tube of toothpaste. I knew it would get messy, so I didn't. But the tube of toothpaste, when you squeeze out the toothpaste, you can try as hard as you want, but you are not gonna get that toothpaste back in the tube. And that's kind of how our words are, right? When we say words, they are out there. Now, God has given us many, many great gifts, many great gifts. One of them, I believe, is a pause button. God gave us a pause button, okay? And I feel like Dave talked a couple weeks ago. Um, he said when James said, be quick to listen, be slow to speak, and slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. I think there's a couple invisible pauses on there. So when I visualize that sentence, I see be quick to listen, pause, be slow to speak, pause, be slow to anger. So he, James even uses these pause buttons. Now, I wish God would have given us a rewind button. I mean, how many times can you think of your life like, man, I wish I would have had a rewind button there. I said something I shouldn't have. I wish I could rewind it and forget it all. Even with the Facebook post, you can delete it, but probably a lot of people have seen it by then. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. In fact, most of our lives have been shaped by words. They've been shaped by words that were spoken to us, spoken about us, spoken over us. Our lives were shaped by words. Now, I bet if I took a poll and I asked everybody here today, could you raise your hand if you remember a time where someone said something to you that hurt you? I bet 100% of the people here could raise their hand, even at home. I bet you can raise your hand and say, yes, I remember a time when someone said something to me and it hurt me very badly. Not only that, I bet you can say, I remember what they said. I remember who said it. I remember where I, was with, where I was when they said it, what I was wearing. I mean, you vividly remember things when something hurts you so badly. And it's crazy, as humans, we, we hear great things about us all the time. I mean, someone could say, I think you are a great mom. You are a great dad. You are a great teacher. You are the best coach my son has ever had. And those things are great to hear and they give you confidence, but after a while, those kind of disappear those kind of fade off in the distance and you don't remember those things. But for some reason, as humans, we have this like this little envelope, this little file in the back of our mind. And we store all the negative things. We store the hurtful things that people told us and we keep it here and we never really let go of those. And sometimes they come out when you really don't want them to, but we remember those things. I mean, our words, they have shaped our marriages, our jobs, our confidence, our lack thereof confidence, maybe even our childhood experience, right? And it's normally the hurtful words that shapes us the most. Now, I know um, when Dave said he wanted to do a, a series on James, on the book of James, he asked the teaching team, okay, now go and read the book of James and try to figure out what you would wanna speak on, what stands out to you. 
So I go home and I'm reading through the book of James and I automatically know chapter three. Chapter three is what I wanna speak on. In chapter three, James talks about taming the tongue and how words are so, so powerful. And I didn't wanna speak on it because I'm a pro at it. I didn't wanna speak on it because I am amazing and I do well with my words. I never say anything bad. It's actually the very opposite. And I always told myself when I started speaking up here, two things. One, I wanted to challenge myself. Whatever I'm speaking on, I want to challenge myself. I want to be stretched. I want to be a little uncomfortable, and I want to learn from what I'm speaking on. And the second thing is, I always want to be honest. I always want to be honest. So that is why I picked chapter three, is because words, not always the best words, they have shaped my life. They have shaped my life And that's why I am who I am, because of the words I heard growing up, the words that were told to me, the words I heard being told to someone else. And again, I put those in my file in the back of my mind, and I never let those go. And they affect me till this day. And even today, I mean, I let my anger get the best of me, and I have said things that I'm like, oh, why did I say that? I wish I had the rewind button, but I don't. And that's why I wanted to talk about James chapter three today because words have shaped my life and still continue to shape me today. So James, I will say, we're gonna dive into James a little bit, but I will say two things. James, he wants to always paint the picture perfectly. He wants you to know exactly what he's talking about and he wants you to picture it in your mind so you don't miss anything. And they also, he never sugarcoats anything. He says it like it is, which is hard for me because sometimes I like a little sugarcoating. I like the sandwich method, a compliment, then, you know, but he does not do that. So he says it like it is. So in James chapter three, verse two, he says, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Okay, so James is saying, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Okay, so let's just point out here, there are no perfect people here, right? No perfect people allowed. So if we're not perfect, I'm assuming then we struggle with keeping our whole body in check, right? Because we are not perfect in what we say. So he goes on in verse three, he says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for example, although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder where the pilot wants to go. So he's painting the picture for us. So he's saying, okay, we have a bit in a horse's mouth and that can change the direction of the animal. We have a small rudder in this huge ship. So no matter the winds or anything, it can change the direction of the ship. So he's trying to point out, okay, something small makes such a really, really big difference. He says the likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So a tongue is a very small part of the body. So I, of course, did some research on the tongue. I never thought I would have to do that, but I found out that there's eight muscles in the tongue. There's eight muscles in the tongue. So for those of you who run or work out or do whatever you do, you know that your muscles can only give so much, right? Your muscles can only give so much before they give out and you have to rest them and you have to just kind of regain their strength. That's kind of the opposite of the tongue. The tongue has eight muscles and it never gets 
tired, never gets tired. I was pointing out my husband earlier than first service, just confirming like, mine never gets tired, does it? Like I wanna communicate all the time. Mine never gets tired. The tongue never gets tired. So he wants to paint the picture one more time. So James says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So now he's saying, okay, picture a small spark can set the whole forest on fire. He's like, now do you get it? Do you get how such a small part of the body, the tongue, can make a really big difference after everything I've tried to paint for you? And this is what he calls the tongue. In verse six, he said, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body, sets the whole course of life, whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Yikes, right? There, James is not sugarcoating anything. He's basically saying that your tongue is basically set on fire by hell, right? He's saying it like he is. And then in verse seven, he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So he's saying, okay, you guys, you guys need to understand how dangerous the tongue is. It is a deadly poison. He is saying it like he is. I mean, I can just picture James like writing his book being like, oh, they're gonna understand what I'm saying. Like he's trying to get his point across. And the point is words hurt. Words hurt. I know for me, I grew up with a poem, I'm sure a lot of you guys did, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words would never hurt me. I mean, you're on the playground and your friends are making fun of you and you're like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Okay, whoever wrote that is a liar, is a liar. Yes, sticks and stones, they may break your bones, but there's doctors and casts for that. But the truth is, words do hurt and they can hurt and they will hurt very, very badly. And it's crazy because don't you normally find that we hurt the people we love the most with our words? We hurt the people we are closest to with our words. And a lot of times when we try to defend ourselves, we use more words and it keeps getting us in bigger, bigger trouble. And it's normally the people that we are closest to. I mean, we can hurt people when we are not even in the same room as them. I mean, it's 2020. We have computers and iPads and phones and social media. I mean, your fingers get to type in and you can hurt people that you don't even know or you're not even in the same room as them. So this year, New Year, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, my husband and I were so excited for 2020. We're like, yes, a new year. We had a rough year last year with some family things and we were just ready. We were ready for a clean slate a fresh star, and we were so excited for 2020. Man, I miss 2019, anybody? I mean, seriously, we never dreamed 2020 would look like this. We were just excited for something new and just a, like I said, a clean slate. But the truth is 2020, I mean, isn't it full of hate? Isn't it full of division? And a lot of it is because our words, right? Because words are so deadly and so hurtful. Now, again, we are the church. We are supposed to be building the church. This is our campaign for the summer. So how can we build the church? Okay, well, there's good news. Unfortunately, the bad news is James doesn't give us like a, okay, 
on a better note, this is how you fix it. He doesn't give like a, a five point presentation smart format. Like he, no, he just basically says all the reasons why words are hurtful and deadly and bad. And then he's just like, so just stop it, just stop. But I know for me, I need a little more clear cut. Like, okay, what do I do? How can I do this? So we're not gonna get it from James, but the good news is, the good news is God designed words. God designed them himself. And I don't think he was sitting up in heaven saying like, oh, they are really gonna get in trouble with this. No, he designed words for good. He designed words to build, to help, to heal, to encourage, to love. That's why he designed words. We're just using them all the wrong ways lately. I mean, you look in the book of Genesis, the whole first book of the Bible, I mean, he basically spoke things into creation, right? I mean, he said, let there be light, and then there was light. He spoke things into creation. So then in Genesis chapter one, verse 26, it says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Then he goes on to say in verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so this should get us thinking a little bit. So if God uses words for such great power, so such great things, and we were created in his image, we were created in the likeness of God, don't we have the same power with our words? I mean, he used them for great things. Why can't we? We should be speaking words to build, to heal, to love, to encourage, and so on, like he designed them. That is how he designed them. So real quick, let's go back to that pause button, that pause button we spoke about at the beginning, one of the great gifts God gave us. When we use the pause button, we need to think. We need to think, and by that I mean T, is it true? So whatever we're saying, is it true? H, is it helpful? Are we gonna help this person? Are we gonna build them up? Or is this gonna make them better? Is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? What we're about to say, do we need to say it? Should we say it? Is it necessary? And K, is it kind? Is it going to show love to that person? So is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? So let's use that pause button and think. So you need to pause when you're in doubt, pause when you're angry, when you're frustrated, pause when you're tired, when you're stressed. And when you use that pause button, just pray and think. So I think there's three ways that we can really um, use to help our words for the better. So first thing is remember, remember. So we need to remember how very powerful we are. So like I said, we were made in the image of God. In his likeness, we are powerful. And we have a powerful tool in our back pocket and that's words. So especially when we're angry and we're frustrated, we have the power to use the words for good or for evil. For good or for evil. How are we going to use the very special tool that we were given for good or for evil? So we need to remember that. The second thing is surrender. Surrender, and I have really, really figured this out lately. I would say since, I don't know, March 13th, that is the date. I feel like we all went into quarantine. I still remember it today. But I, re- I feel like I've learned since then that when you surrender and you give your life to God and you say, I wanna follow you, I want to be a disciple, I wanna be a follower, that is wonderful, that is great. 
But you need to do that every single day. You need to surrender to God every single day. It's not a one-time thing and it's like, whoo, I'm good, got that out of the way. No, you need to surrender to God every single day. And maybe like in um, Psalm 141, verse three, it says, take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. So when you surrender, you need to surrender everything and give it all to God. So after you remember, you surrender, go ahead and confess, confess. Because when you mess up, and yes, I said when, because again, we're not perfect, there's no perfect human beings, we're gonna mess up. So we need to manage it. Don't excuse it, own it, and just do better. The one thing I love when you read the New Testament and and about the life of Jesus, Jesus always gave action. He always gave action. He never said, okay, you're forgiven. See you later. No, he forgives, but then he said, now go. Now go and sin no more. He always gave action. Now go and sin no more. That's the same thing. Now go and do better and be better and use the tool of words better. So remember, surrender, and confess. So again, if we wanna build the church, how do we build the church? I think people should know who we are. People should know that we are Christians or followers of Christ or even connect church by our words, by our words of love, by our words of building and and healing and everything else, whether it be talking in person or online or through text or whatever, that's how we should be known. I think people should look at us and say, they are the church. And that's how we build the church outside of these four walls. We build the church outside of this building by using the words that we have for good and not for evil, for love. So a couple weeks ago, I was putting my message together and my seven-year-old daughter, she always wants to, she always wants to do what I'm doing. So she asked me what I was writing about and I said, I'm putting together a message for church. And she said, well, I'm gonna do the same thing. So she went and got some colored paper and she starts writing with her markers. And two seconds later, she comes back and said, I wrote my message, can you read it? And this is her message she wrote. It says, I want to change the world. Love God, love your neighbors, be you. So this is her writing, not mine. (laughs) And the reason I bring this up is because she's a seven-year-old little girl and I didn't tell her what I was writing about. I didn't tell her anything, but she just wanted to sit down and write a message. And this is what she wrote. I want to change the world. Love God, love your neighbors, be you. Wouldn't it be something if we all had that same childlike heart where we don't even know what using words for evil looks like? They just know in their heart that they are loved by God and loved by Jesus and they know then that's how they should act as well. Because I know as leaders, that's what we teach these kids on a Sunday. God loves you. He loves you so much and we want to be like him and show love. So that's all my daughter knows. Why can't we do the same thing? So I think this is how we build the church out of these four walls, is by our words. Again, we need to remember how powerful we are. We need to surrender everything to God, whether that's our words, our lips, everything, every single day, and confess. Because we have the power for so, so much good. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for 
just everything, Lord. Thank you for everybody here in this room and everybody watching where we can all be together as the church and your church. Lord, of course, we wanna make you proud and you've given us so many tools to do so. Lord, please help us navigate those tools um, and use them for good and for love and let us be the church to change the world of just you know surrendering everything to you and just letting us use our power of words for just showing love to others. Lord, help us um, just be with us throughout this week and today and as we move forward and just this crazy world that we're living in right now. And we, we hope that and pray that you just continue to walk alongside us, alongside us and just always bring light to this dark world. We love you so much and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much for being with us here today and we will see everybody next week, next Sunday. Thank you.